On today's episode of the Rugby Room Podcast, we have got an awesome interview with Will Kelly, who is a fly half for the Toronto Arrows. I honestly, I want to get right into this. So Carter, let's run the plugs, let's run the music, and let's dump right in, man. This was super fun. And as always, guys, the Rugby Room is brought to you and powered by the Canadian Misfits. The Canadian Misfits are a non-profit sport organization with the goal of developing high-performance rugby players. You can find them on their website at canadianmisfits7s.ca or check them out on social media. Their Instagram, Twitter is Canada Misfit Sevens, and on Facebook, it's Canada Misfit Rugby. We'd also like to shout out one of our most recent partners, North American Muscle. North American Muscle was established to provide top quality, cost-effective commercial and residential fitness equipment using material, components, and labor sourced exclusively in the USA and in Canada. For a 10% discount on all equipment, use our promo code RUGBYROOM at checkout. You can find them, North American Muscle, at www.northamericanmuscle.ca. That's www.northamericanmuscle.ca. And let's run the music, baby. Let's run it. Alright everyone, we are stoked to announce our next guest in the pod, somewhat of a local legend, went through the Ontario system and has since then played for McMaster, he's been contracted overseas with the Dragons Club in Wales, he's capped for Canada, and now he's back playing with the Toronto Arrow, so please welcome Mr. Will Kelly, what's up Will? Hey guys, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I guess we want to just start this off and like we always do, give uh, our guests a bit of a feel for who you are. And so I want to start with this question, a bit, a bit of an abstract question, but why rugby, man? Like, what was, you're, you're Canadian, you've got a hockey background. What drew you to the game of rugby? Yeah, well, um, I think the first thing that a lot of people are shocked with is I was originally from the UK. Um, so I was born in the UK and we moved here when I was five. Uh, Dad was doing a fellowship in Toronto. He's a surgeon. Was only supposed to be here for a year. And, you know, all of a sudden now it's however many years later and we're still here. So um, but my dad grew up playing rugby. Um, he played at Cambridge University in the 80s, actually captained uh, that team in the varsity match. So rugby's kind of always been around my life in some sort of loose sense. Um, and so obviously when rugby started to become an option to play and stuff, my dad was pretty keen for me to play. And um, like, like many young boys and girls, they kind of want to be like their parents a bit. So um, I definitely was, was keen to get into it. And then kind of just started falling in love with it from there. So um yeah, it's, that's how it kind of took off, probably around under 12, under 14 rugby, so. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's like father, like son a little bit, for sure. But. Yeah, yeah. So, segueing out of why you found rugby, um, and obviously the background of your father and um, and moving over from uh, from the UK, where it is uh, more of the traditional sport, um, we just want to run through, just give the listeners a bit of a rundown of, uh, of your career. So I'll just give you the floor and you can kind of walk you through it. Maybe more of your rundown from, uh, since you got over here and kind of, um, where that took you through club, whatever school, um, and so on. Yeah. Um, trying to think where to start. Um, probably would have started. I got to give a big, big credit to, uh, my, a teacher I had actually, I went to Hillfield Shadow in college, um, by the name of Martin Bethelmer. Um, so he actually started teaching at the school when I, enrolled at the school, a private school. So it's JK through to grade 12. And I started in grade two. Um, and so he started teaching grade two when I enrolled in the school in grade two. And then he kind of almost a bit, it's kind of weird, almost followed me through my schooling. So when I <laughs> went into grade four, he was a grade four teacher. Um, and then grade five, he became a grade five teacher. And then grade eight, he was my English teacher. 
Uh, and then he ended up, you know, in the end coaching my high school team and whatnot. Um, but it all started, um, you know, kind of when I started thinking about it a little bit more was grade four, uh, Mr. B, as I still call him, a uh, bit of a rugby fanatic, big All Blacks fan, just loves the game, so much passion for it. Um, and I think he had somehow heard that my dad was big into it and that, you know, there's a couple of kids that might have been interested in it. And he started this after school Friday um, rugby program, just kind of literally like almost like a rookie rugby, but before it was even rookie rugby, right? So oh, yeah. um, there's a small group of us Fridays after school that would stick around and play. And um, his passion for the game was, was just super infectious. And, um, I kind of fed off that a bit and he, you know, obviously first things my dad, obviously, but then, uh, he's definitely right, right there is kind of fire, like building that fire underneath me, I guess, with that passion for, for the sport and wanting to play. And, um, he actually, I was trying to play on the grade eight, seven team when I was in grade five, but, uh, that wasn't <laughs> allowed for insurance reasons. And looking back, probably a good thing. Cause I was pretty small, skinny kid and, um, probably wouldn't have gone well. I probably maybe even pushed me away from the sport, having these great eights run at me, but, um, started, started playing for the, the team at Hillfield in grade seven, um, and then grade eight. And then it was after grade eight, uh, the final game, I kind of got, um, I got looked at by some of the Ontario coaches. They had came to our final game and the under 14 Ontario coaches and, um, got asked to come to tryouts. Uh, and that was a bit of an eye opener. Um, you know, I was pretty nervous. You, know, you show up to under 14 tryouts. There's a hundred plus kids there and yeah. you know, you're, you're walking around. I don't know if you boys remember, they, 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 uh, draw with the, the permanent marker on your leg and on your yeah, arm. Yeah. And yeah. You're numbered and, off. Yeah. You're, you're not a person anymore. I was thinking, I don't even know what number <laughs> I was probably like number like 57. Cause it's all based on when you actually register. So, yeah. mm. um, but it was that under 14 tryout that, I was in line in a drill and, and there's this little yappy kid in front of me and uh, he kind of turned around, he turned around just and out of the blue, just turns to me and goes, what club do you play for? And I was like, Oh, what? And he's like, I'm like, he said, I'm Will, what club do you play for? And I was like, Oh, I don't have a club. And he goes, Oh, well you should come out to Brantford. I was like, Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and it actually turned out to be Will MacArthur who since then, um, you know, very good friend of mine, one of my, one of my best buddies. And, um, he was kind of the reason why I ended up going out to Brantford and, um, you know, started playing club rugby for them in under 14 and have been there ever since. Um, and obviously our friendship kind of grew through the age groups uh, of Ontario and, and Brantford. Um, but yeah, kind of under 14 got, got lucky and made that team and um, kind of took off through there, played under 15s, under 16s. And then uh, my under 17 year, I, I went out for the under 19 team actually. And that was kind of another step up and um, mm -hmm. almost fed a bit more into the fire, I guess, because seeing some of the guys, um, you know, the first name that comes to mind is the likes of Lucas Rumble, you know, had already played under 20 Canada and whatnot. And then he's playing with under 19s and the senior men's. And I looked up to him a bit and was like, you know, he's, he's a stud and he's doing all this at such a young age and um, just getting able to train with them and, and play some, some games before their CRCs with them was, was amazing. And um, so I was with that squad and then under 18s as well that year. And uh, that's when you kind of get into the, the rugby Canada stuff, right? The age grade stuff starts coming out. And yeah, um, I think that first tour uh, was that under eight, they used to do an under 18 tour to Romania um, and I remember I didn't, I didn't make that. I was on a long list and I didn't make that tour. I was, I was still a year young, but I was pretty, pretty gutted by that. And that was, you know, probably the first, in my mind, I guess, first big setback, I guess. I kind of thought oh, that not many people rating me or whatnot, but, um, the next year I ended up playing 19s again. And, um, 
you know, and then that kind of just carried on to, what am I there? Yeah. Carried on to, I was going overseas actually. Sorry. Yeah. So on my under 19 year, I played a year up, uh, end of high school and I decided I wanted to go overseas for the year, um, and take a gap year. I didn't really know what I wanted to do in school yet. Um, I knew I wanted to try and play rugby and whatnot. So I actually ended up going over to the UK, um, and I got like a teaching, like a PE teaching assistant job at my cousin's school uh, in High Wycombe. So 40 minutes, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, northwest of London, I think. Um, yeah. Big, big uh, rugby school, uh, RGS, so the Royal Grammar School, High Wycombe. Uh, like the likes of they had Christian Wade uh, went there. So he's oh, obviously yeah. trying to make the NFL now. But yeah, Christian Wade yeah. was an alumni. Uh, Tommy Allen, who plays for Italy. And so some pretty big names. I think Matt Dawson way back when was an RGS boy. So um, it was pretty cool. I worked there for eight months uh, and got to coach some of the younger teams and, and help out with their first 15 where my cousin, my cousin was on the first 15. So it was pretty cool to kind of watch him play in his final school year rugby. And um, at the same time there, I got to play in London Scottish's Academy, their under 23 Academy. Um, And so I did that for that year. And um, I think that kind of started to propel me a bit uh, with a bit of momentum because when I came back, to Canada in the spring of uh, would have been 2016. Now um, that was my my uh, actual under 19 age group year, um, and then had a really good year. Uh, I was playing some good rugby, um, got selected for uh, that under 20 long list, and that that kind of year for our under 20 year to um, how whatever you'd call it the long list that they end up cutting it down periodically from December camps, April camps, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then into to qualifiers, right? Um, and so, yeah, at that point I was, I'd already decided I was going to Mac, uh, but that summer at 19, I got asked if I wanted to do the carding program. It was kind of out of the blue. I'd, I'd actually missed a call and I hadn't realized I had a voicemail, but it was, it was Gareth Reese who had left a voicemail. <laughs> I think I missed it by like two weeks. Cause he called oh, like two weeks dude. before CRCs. And I was looking, yeah. I was one of our days off. I was looking at my phone and I saw a voicemail all of a sudden, obviously Gareth Reese's voice is pretty recognizable for, for rugby fans and, and people yeah. in Canada. All of a sudden I'm like, I'm like holding my phone. I'm like, what is going on? Um, yeah. So luckily I, I called him back pretty quick. And, and fortunately the twenties coaches and obviously the senior coaches there at that time it was Mark Hanscom was there. So had a chat with him. Uh, I explained, I was kind of enrolled in school and I'd already taken a year out. I wanted to at least start school. Um, yeah. And then I would be willing to go out. Um, so basically what happened from there was, I was in the fall going to McMaster um, and then I was going to go out in the new year. Um, so basically I started my university career would have been September, 2016 at Mac. Um, and then, yeah, like I only got to play two seasons. So 2016 and 2017 at Mac, but, uh, yeah. that 2016 season, especially as a first year was, uh, was pretty cool. And university rugby, you guys both know it's, um, you know, some of the best years of your life, you know, I, I, oh, yeah. I wish I kind of could have gotten another crack at it another year with the boys and um, just so many good memories. And, you know, some of the games are just looking back, uh, like just hilarious. I think that first year we hadn't beaten Western in however many years in my first game, we beat them. And, you know, we were on top of the world and (laughs) we were loving life and, and whatnot. And and we were fortunate enough that at the end of the year in the bronze, we got to beat them again. So that was just a really, really good year. And, and some of those fifth year guys who kind of take, you know, the younger guys under their wings, it was, it was nice to see them so happy. And, um, you know, especially at Mac from being a pretty strong program in the two thousands and, um, you know, so many great players coming through, we kind of had a bit of a dip. Um, and so it was kind of, it kind of felt like we were building momentum again. Um, but yeah, that first year especially was great. Um, 
and yeah, I just kind of, I just love the kept loving the game more and more, I guess, as you kept playing through and um, pretty fortunate to play with, you know, a lot of great guys that I met there. And also a few guys I came in with that I, I had known, I had known, sorry, from, from previous teams. So like Mitch Richardson, I'd, I'd played, played with since I was like 16 or 17. I actually played hockey with him before I played rugby with him, which was crazy. He was like a call up on my major midget AAA team, which was hilarious. Cause at the time he was <laughs> playing like Ontario under 18 blues. And I'd been on like a New York sevens trip and I, I kind of knew who he was and he was from Stony Creek, but we weren't, didn't, weren't really friends. And then the next week I walked into the change room of our Hamilton junior Bulldogs and he's you know, we're playing and he's in there. And I'm like looking at him and he's like, looking at me. And I go, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, so that's a, that's a little side note. It was pretty jokes, but guys like him and Jack McRogers, you know, played with oh, him yeah. for a few years and um, huge beauty and still playing with him now. Right. Um, yeah. So it's just awesome. It was an awesome group of guys. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of car went out to carding that new year in 2017 it was my twenties year. I, I played a little bit for UVic too, uh, while I was there, um, kind of another step up, you know, training in a full-time environment and, you know, with yeah. men and, you know, guys who varying from, you know, guys who were trying to crack the Canadian team to the likes of, you know, Ray Barkwell, Hubert Bidens, um, Kyle Bailey, all these guys who are, um, already been know, through it all. Kind of. not, yeah. I've been through it all. Right. So, um, really cool experience and very beneficial for me too. And in, in my development and, um, some hard long days, you know, those 7am grinding sessions out the COE and we were training in like a dry rink area. Like the weights was just outside the dry rink, but, uh, yeah, it was character building. Some would say, I think, um, <laughs> yeah. but it was uh, pretty sweet. And that kind of built momentum into my twenties, which was awesome. We obviously beat the Americans my year, which was, you know, for anyone's always nice. It's huge. And um, mm. so then we got to go to the trophy and, you know, unfortunately that summer at the trophy, you know, with such a talented, talented team, that's probably one of my biggest, probably one of my biggest regrets so far through my rugby career. Some of the teams I've been on, like our under 20 team, we had some studs, you know, we had Matt Bukaboom who's over in France playing right now. And, mm. um, George Barton was, you know, an absolute beast. He'd been at Claremont and still is still kicking it with Seattle and, um, Josh Teal's down in San Diego. Cole Davis is down in Austin. Um, I feel like I'm missing some other guys here. Jake Teal's obviously with the sevens, you know, yeah, playing yeah. really well. Just some really good rugby players. And, you know, this is a shame. I think we kind of, for whatever reason, just didn't didn't click at the right time and kind of fell apart a bit. But um, still an amazing experience. We got to go to Uruguay and um, some of the teams there were, were fantastic. Like the Japanese team was just, you know, another level mm -hmm. of that tournament. They kind of wiped the floor of, of everyone and got promoted, but yeah. really cool experience for like a first international tournament. Um, and then, and yeah, I ended up going back to Mac for my second year. Um, kind of rambling on here. Sorry, boys, but yeah, I came back second year. I remember uh, that was a pretty wild university season because, because of the trophy we'd missed. Um, the first week and a half of school or whatever. Um, so it was myself, Jack McRogers and Jamie McNaughton, um, who was, we were coming back and I remember we flew back, we got back like the Tuesday or Wednesday morning. We were playing Guelph that Saturday. Um, yeah. so obviously all of us, you know, we're like, Oh, we're playing like, no doubt. Like we're playing, we got to play. Um, and you know, we played a pretty good game. They, they ended up beating us, but, uh, like looking back, I think now it's like, Oh, maybe I, maybe could have taken a week off or something. I, I think, <laughs> especially after the, a bit of the disappointment of the way we performed at the trophy. And 
you know, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm fully good to go. I can do it, whatever. And, you know, looking back at that performance, wasn't one of my best games and pretty frustrating. Uh, but I kind of, kind of kicked off the season for us because we had a really good team at Mac and ups and downs. And, you know, I think a big wake up call for us, I think uh, Danny would be in that Laurier game when we played you guys at home and you kind of, you guys yeah. kind of gave us a bit of a spank and then, um, <laughs> yeah, I just remember that game uh, yeah, at your place. We, uh, that was kind of a turning point for us because we all of a sudden kind of made a, uh, made a decision to ourselves, like, look, like we can go two ways from this, right. We just got dominated. They were the much better team. You know, Q was dominating everything. Uh, mm-hmm. your winger, who, who's your winger? Masukas or, uh, oh, Chris Masukas. Chris, yeah. Chris, sorry. Chris Masukas. Yeah. yeah. Like scored a hot, like just, we couldn't even tackle him. It was oh, insane. And he's a beast. Um, yeah. Yeah. Pletchy kind of sat us down in the leadership meeting first and then obviously with the full team, but it was, it was like, look, we can go two ways here. We can just keep crumbling or, or we can turn this around. We know we have the team and whatnot. And, Luckily, we turned it around and, you know, again, great battle at the end of the year against you guys and that bronze yeah. and um, could have gone either way. Like that's, that's probably my favorite. That's definitely my favorite university game I've ever played. in. it was, it was awesome. Like the intensity level and just the battle and just so many good plays throughout the whole game from both teams and, um, you know, could have gone either way. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of nice for us that we kind of rebounded that halfway point where we lost you earlier and, and come back and, and took that momentum into into na- the mm-hmm. first national championship and and managed to get a bronze and, and beat Guelph in that bronze too. It kind of made that end of that second year sweet because Guelph was another team that we hadn't beaten in oh, since just, 2010 yeah. or 2011 just, or something, right? So they've been so good for so long. So oh, that yeah. must have been, yeah. Yeah. Well, my first year they had like Eric Howard and it was just you, like, yeah. you couldn't tackle yeah. the guy. He would just get on the back <laughs> of the ball and if he broke off, he was like, He's hey, so on. close to the ground and just so big. It was, it was insane. But yeah, that was kind then, of uh, – yeah, sorry, what were we going to say? No, I was going to say just shout-out to Dan Pletchman. Um, I don't know if you know this, but he was my high school gym teacher, and I had a class with oh, him as well. Hayden. Yeah. Yeah, at Hayden. And uh, I was actually, like, this close to coming to, oh. to Mac. I was I was ready to go. I was, like, Pletchman, like, Ky- recruited me You're pulling me a hard. Kainoa Lloyd. Kainoa Lloyd keeps yeah. telling me this story about he's like, oh, oh I was really? like, this close to coming to Mac. Like, Come <laughs> on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That would have been sweet if you did. Yeah, and it was close, but yeah, yeah, and it was and it was great. It was just, I think, I think, one of my last games of the season, high school season, I got uh, the head coach Laurier um came in, just he was roughing McLeod, my game. yeah, McLeod, yeah, Ian, yeah. and uh, he comes up to me and he's like, hey, like we can help you out, we can get you some, uh, yeah. <laughs> get you some poetry right on yeah, your yeah, because Mac, that's the thing. They they don't they don't incentivize yeah. as as hard as some yeah. others. but it's not it's not great. It's uh. You know, it's yeah. tough. It's just kind of the nature of the school and whatnot, and also the program. But um, man, that's that's kind of crushing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I know. But still, we'll, oh, we're still on the yeah. end. Pletch, man, like such a good leader. So quiet spoken. I, I don't know what. Yeah. I think he's very different as a high school teacher because, like, I went to school mm-hmm. with Ryan Matthews as well, who's in your rugby program, obviously. And yeah. He was saying like very different guy in the locker room than uh, in the classroom, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, very uh, very knowledgeable guy and great leader. As I yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, Pletchy was great, and he was a big selling point for me to come to Mac. And obviously, Mac's like my hometown school. I live in Ancaster, so it's ten minutes down the road. And um, for the longest time, I was like, I'm not going to Mac. I'm not going to Mac. It's too close to home. I'm not going to Mac. And <laughs> yeah, um, Pletchy really sold the program and the school as well. And just so super knowledgeable, super personable guy too, right? And oh yeah, that's what really sold me. And uh, yeah, like. It, I feel like he, for most of the time, he's, he still coaches, you know, and, and kind of has that um, 
acts like a high school teacher in a sense, you know, it's, you know, mm-hmm. we're not, uh, he's, he's not yelling and screaming at us all training and whatnot, like some other coaches may be and very controlled, very personal the whole time. Um, there've been a few games where he's let loose a bit, almost like, I, I kind of say it's like, oh, it's like playing days, Dan's coming back. Um, mm-hmm. cause you know, obviously being a front row <laughs> for the Canadian team and, you know, he played in an era when the Canadian pack was, you know, still pretty well known for being one of the toughest out there. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I loved it when he got a little fired up, but uh, yeah, I think yeah. some of the other guys were shocked <laughs> by it, but there was a couple of times we're kind of waiting for him to blow. Um, but yeah, yeah. he's just, uh, he was a great coach and still coaching with the team and whatnot, which is awesome. And hopefully for, for many years to come. Oh but, yeah. Um, yeah. That was interesting. Like it's crazy. Like those timelines, like you're saying, like you beat us in the first year and that was like that whole redemption arc coming in, beating mm-hmm. us then in the bronze medal game. And for me, like it was, I was injured for the first part of the season. That was like my first yeah. game back was that bronze medal game. And as yeah. you're saying, it was my first year and jumping into university rugby cold, pretty like tough yeah. thing to do. Cause it's so like, it's fast paced. Oh, yeah. pretty intense Especially game, at right? that point in the season, right? Like playoffs when yeah. it's just, um, you know, everyone's kind of on their game and you guys were just on a roll all year. Um, and I, yeah, that game yeah. was uh, the week before we had played Guelph, you know, kind of a barn burner as well up there. And, um, they pulled away towards the end, but most of that game was pretty close, but we had a couple guys come out with, with injuries and whatnot. I remember I early on in that game kind of banged my knee up. I thought I had done something to it bad, but I was able to finish the game. But you know, the first half of the week before the bronze, I, I couldn't walk on it and I was just going, Oh God. And yeah. so strapped, <laughs> had it all strapped up and, oh, yeah. you know, had whatever painkillers they were. I don't know. It's a couple painkillers from our trainer, Kelsey Marshall, actually. Who's that? Who's yeah. that Brock? At Brock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolute beauty. She's awesome. Oh, I yeah. can't like that's, that's one of the biggest losses Max sports has done. Uh, they're probably not gonna like me saying that, but whatever. I, I, I stand by it and most people <laughs> oh, no, do, but no doubt. Yeah. Um, she's she's awesome. Yeah. So she took really good care of the boys and, and me that couple of weeks kind of just, I couldn't like looking back as well. That's another one. I'm like, I don't even really know how I was able to play. Um, cause like just, it felt weak and I'd probably yep. done some sort of light strain in my MCL or something, but, um, yeah, she sorted me out treatment every day and whatnot and strapped me up good and we managed to get through it. But, um, yeah, that's another one Max lost and, and gone somewhere else, which is a, is a shame, but yeah, that's tough. Is, is Pletch still coaching over there? Is he still? Yeah. Is he yeah, yeah. 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 He definitely is. Yeah. Um, and then I think also we have Alan Hamilton still coaching as well as an assistant coach um, mm-hmm. who was, I want to say he was in Mac alumni, um, but older guy and he's an absolute beauty too. Um, he was a great rugby player in his day as well. I think there's, we, we always pull up a clip of him scoring a try and like the, I don't want to go too far back, but I swear it was like the 1990 something McCormick cup final. <laughs> he's playing for the yo, the yeoman, I think. And he's just shredded it from 15. And so all the boys are like, Oh, who's that? And we're like, that's, that's coach Allen. Like he's just ripping yeah. it. So, um, <laughs> and then, and then Pletchy's pretty good with keeping, uh, you know, alumni around and close. So I know Fergie comes out quite a bit. Um, Andrew Ferguson mm-hmm. um, helps yeah, out yeah. with the nines and the half, like the halfback stuff. And, um, Mitch Richardson was actually an assistant coach uh, last year, which was great. And Graham Dobbs was brought back in to help out. Um, and then in years previous, my first year, um, oh, I'm going to forget his name. No, Spencer Fullerton was uh, one of the coaches as well. Um, he was part of one of that, you know, that Mac team that was a bit of a dynasty in the in the 2000s and whatnot. So um, we had the likes of guys like that who know the program and care about the program so much and still giving back, which is always great yeah. to have, right? So. Would that would have, would that have been like Shep and Windsor era too or before? I think Spence would have played with Dan. 
So that would be yeah. early 2000s. And then um, maybe Spence, did Spence? No, I think Spence played with Dan, but then like Shep was, uh, when did they win it? 09 or 2010? I think it might be yeah. whatever year was Ardron's first year. Cause it was like Tyler Ardron. Um, <laughs> that guy, that guy's videos of him yeah. playing university rugby is just like, oh my God, oh, it's insane. insane. Yeah, um, <laughs> but like, it was like, like their pack was like Ardron Shep and just a bunch of other hard dudes. I think Lucas McIver, he's a Brantford guy. I should know this. He's a Brantford guy. I think yeah. Lucas McIver was playing that year too. I um, mean, like he's an absolute beast. Uh, so they just had a bunch of guys like that. And then Andrew Ferguson was a first year. Um, and then Sean Windsor, uh, the magical Sean Windsor, uh, his timeline of his university sporting career is insane. Cause I, I think he went there for football at first and then he didn't, and then he was playing football again. And then mm -hmm. I think that year they won, he only played in the playoffs. Like he didn't play all regular season. I don't know why, but all the stories I heard was like, yeah, Sean Windsor kind of just dropped in for the playoffs and kind of tore it <laughs> up and was goal kicking and whatnot. And they ended up winning it all. So, um, but yeah. yeah, so some, some rugby Ontario legends and, and some rugby Canada legends for sure have played in the program, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so like going, just going through your history, man, as you're running through it, I was like trying to jot down some things. I'm like, yeah. man, it's clear you've got a wealth of like experience. They're all through the different yeah. levels. I yeah. kind of wanted to, I kind of wanted to dig into a bit um, your time in Wales. Yeah. Cause I think it's kind of interesting and only a few guys I know have gone over there and correct me if I'm wrong, you're playing with the dragons, right? Through the Academy I, program. I was, uh, I was on a senior contract, a senior Academy contract with the dragons. Yes. Newport. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what um, was kind of, if you can recall at the time, what was like the decision to go, like what, what kind of made you decide to go to Wales? I'm sure you're, you said your background is Welsh. So I'm sure that was a driver. Yeah. My, my, so my mom's side's Welsh. Um, so my mom was brought up in Ealing, which is in London. Um, mm -hmm. But her parents are both from Wales originally. Um, and so I kind of had Welsh eligibility through that, um, which I didn't realize at the time, you know, it actually opens you up hugely. Uh, now I'm now I'm properly Canadian. I'm, I'm not necessarily I have a I have a UK passport, but on the eligibility side of things, you can get academy contracts and whatnot from just having you know a British British grandparent, right? Mm -hmm. So, kind of what happened was after my twenties was kind of trying to figure out that transition. So it was during my second year trying to figure out okay what's next, right? Because after twenties, you know, at this point there was no arrows or whatnot. The Ontario arrows were just about to start. We were kind of, yeah. remember, they were kind of organized that, but at the time for me, I was like, I kind of want to figure out how I can have another challenge, have another step in my personal career to kind of, you know, try and make it or whatnot, right. Make that transition into senior, senior men's, you know, hopefully professional rugby or international rugby. And um, it was actually uh, Aaron Carpenter who I got in contact with just asking about him. Obviously he went over um, mm -hmm. at the end of his schooling to the UK. He was there for a while um, I just asked, you know, what I should do, what, like if I was interested in doing that and whatnot and um, who to talk to. And he, he put me in contact with his agent at the time um, and, a, and a great guy. And he kind of, you know, called me, chatted with me for a bit. And we talked uh, and he was trying to figure out my eligibility and whatnot. And I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm English, but I also have Welsh grandparents. So I'd be Welsh qualified. Um, and then from there, he was like, okay, like, uh, I'll see what I can do and sent him over some clips and whatnot and kind of went quiet for a while. And I think it was, you know, leading into Christmas, you know, or just after Christmas, like, uh, like, you know what, um, probably no bites or whatnot. Kind of obviously yeah. my mind, it's like, you know, coming from Canada, I'd played Canada twenties and eighteens and whatnot, but so many good rugby players everywhere. Yeah, right? yeah. And so I didn't oh, really yeah. think anything was going to happen. And then I kind of got this message again after not really hearing from the guy from for a few weeks 
or a few weeks, maybe even a month. And he goes, we have some interest for you from Newport. And I was like, Oh, um, I was like, I thought for, I'm like, I'm not really even sure this is legit, but kind of just yeah. picked up from there. And, you know, quickly, all of a sudden I was talking to the Academy uh, director there, which was uh, James Chaplin. And um, I had a conversation. He was asking me some stuff and, you know, talking about um, what I'd played, whatnot, and just kind of trying to get to know me, I guess. And, um, then yeah, at the end of that, they were kind of like, yeah, we're, we're interested to bring you over and give you a, a contract for a year. And I was kind of still shocked. I was like, I didn't really think it was legit. The only kind of point I realized it was legit when, you know, my email, I got the contract sent over and it was, you know, saying like, oh, if you can sign this back and look over it and, and send right. it back within the next yeah. couple of weeks. I was like, holy, that's really <laughs> yeah. legit. So it was kind of like, I kind of briefly talked to it. Obviously I talked to my dad quite a bit with it, but even my mom, I kind of left out of it a bit. I didn't want to kind of worry about her, worry her. I was moving away or whatnot. Leaving for a year. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but then kind of had those conversations with my family and whatnot. And, you know, it kind of decided it was an opportunity that, you know, not an opportunity you want to turn down. Right. So um, I think I ended up signing uh, that contract in March of 2018. Um, And then, Mm -hmm end of may i was heading over for preseason starting june 1st or where it was so um yeah and uh definitely definitely the challenge i was looking for um and a lot of <laughs> learnings and um you know it's it's night and day you know obviously rugby over here it's great now with the arrows and we're, and we're coming up and even now it's from the first year we were running like the arrows were running till now it's you know night and day then but you know compared to over there it's still a long way to go uh and like the easiest way to compare it, right? It is like their NHL, you know, it's like their ice hockey over yeah. there. They've all played yeah. it since they were able to walk. Forever. And, yeah. um, you know, I think the big eye opener for me is like, you know, first day of walking into the building and, um, you know, you have guys like Richard Hibbard there and whatnot. And um, mm. guys, I'm like, I literally remember just watching this guy on TV and, right. you know, being a Welsh legend, Welsh legend. And then there's yeah. other likes of, you know, Corey Hill, um, Elliot D. And then halfway through that summer as well, um, some of the international, well, uh, the guys who are currently on tour, um, Elliot was one of them, but currently on tour came back. They, they toured Argentina that summer, I think. And then they came back for the second half of preseason. So it was like Ross Moriarty walks in and, oh, wow. um, Aaron Wayne, right. He's just been tearing it up. And, you know, all of a sudden it's like, I went from watching these guys on TV and being like, oh, I'll be sweet to play with them. And then all of a yeah. sudden I'm, I'm training, you know, as I say, as one of the Academy boys, you know, holding the pad against Ross Moriarty flying around and, right. Um, it was pretty cool and just so much learning. Right. And, uh, I learned a lot about myself too, more as an individual. Um, I think that was a a lot of learning, a lot of growth and had to grow up pretty quick. And obviously I had family over in the UK, but they're all Mm. living in near the London area. And, and, you know, although Wales is pretty close, it's still three hours away and I was living on my own. And so I had to grow up pretty quick in that sense as well. And, um, but it was still awesome. Like I, I, you know, I'm really glad I did it. Um, you know, some of the Academy boys there, like still talk to them here and there now. And, you know, great dudes. A lot of them, some of them are doing really well in the senior team. Uh, there's a couple of guys I remember they were just finishing their under 20 years for Wales. And now uh, a couple of the boys start regularly for the dragons there. And, um, you know, one of the boys is getting sniffs with the, the national team a bit. He's on the radar. So it's pretty cool to see and, you know, be like, Oh, I, you know, I've hung out with that guy and, you know, trained with him pretty hard and hung off with him, hung out with him off the field as well. So, um, but yeah, the rugby was just a whole nother level. I think just, as I said, they live and breathe it. And especially in Wales, such a small country and they're so passionate about their rugby. It's, it's, you know, life or death sometimes I think for them too, they kind of forget (laughs) it's just a game, but um, no, I loved, I loved the kind of all the, 
the emotion behind the game and, you know, not only from the players playing it, but, you know, just the local supporters and the Newport Dragons supporters. And I played at Cross Keys RSC, so a club in, up in the valleys and their supporters were diehards and we weren't very good that year. We, we I had some long Saturdays playing yeah. like the Cross Keys, but, uh, you know, all, all kind of learning experiences for me personally. And, you know, their fans, fans still turning up on, you know, it's pissing down yeah. in a mud pit and not, yeah. not the greatest game, but they're still <laughs> – you know, oh, yeah, a few hundred to a thousand people there still cheering on and just oh, wow. diehard fans. It was, it was incredible. They ever harp on you it's, for being English? Uh, I, I very, no, I got tagged as the Canadian. Luckily I was the Canadian. Oh yeah. <laughs> so Safe. I, kind of, I kind of, yeah. And then if, if they asked how I got over here, I was, I was Welsh. So I said yeah. my whole family was Welsh, but. Uh, didn't walk, no, didn't walk the, in the facility yeah. with the English yeah. jersey on. That yeah. wouldn't have gone. It, yeah, no, definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not. No, they're pretty good. There's quite a few of those guys over there, right? Who yeah, kind of half and half, right? You know, a lot, yeah, a lot yeah. of the guys, even a lot of guys playing for Wales, right? Like their dad sides English, mom sides Welsh, yeah. or vice versa. Um, so it's it's they're uh, I think they're pretty understanding of it. You know, like uh, even like you know like Ross Moriarty played England under twenties back in the day, won a World Cup with them under twenties. Oh yeah, and I know. Now he's now he's proper Welsh, and he was always going to play for Wales. So you know, I think his dad was a. Welsh rugby legend of some sort as well too but they're I think they're kind of used to that but I got tagged as the Canadian kid so I got asked a lot of a lot of general Canadian questions especially at the like you know lunch times and just downtime just stuff that you know you and I would probably think it's just I don't know it's just nothing yeah yeah, yeah, they're just amazed by stuff like the poutine well, or whatever. It's like, do we do we actually put gravy and cheese on chips? Like, yeah, of course. So, but yeah. and they call it what chips, about, right? Not fries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, chips, not fries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so from coming back, going there, and then coming back, pretty much right into the uh, um, the arrows. What, what would you say um, are some of the major key differences in terms of maybe um, I don't know training on field, off field? Um, kind of whatever. And was there a bit of a transition you had to go over, like per se, like rugby in the UK back to Canadian rugby? You know what I mean? Style wise. Um, yeah. Uh, so, tough. I think where to start with, obviously with the arrows being, that was like first year proper professional. Um, the obvious ones are just, you know, kind of general setup. Um, yeah. You know, I think arrows for first, first professional team, you know, like that first year was, you know, pretty well run, obviously a lot of kinks and, and, you know, bumps along the way, but um, the obvious differences are stuff like, you know, over there, it's every pro team has their home base, you know, they have their own, uh, their building that they're at, you know, change right. rooms, gyms right there, fields right beside it, whatnot. And arrows, we were still doing a bit of that. Bounce Tuesday, around. Thursdays, we're at Whitby domes, but then a Wednesday yeah. session in Burlington domes. And, but Wednesday is just the field. So we don't have a gym. So you can't do gym right. there. So um still a lot of onus on the players as well to get work done that needs to be done. And uh, luckily like the arrows, we have top, top notch guys on the staff and whatnot. And, you know, SNC side with Sean Harrison of, of ETS. He's, he's, you know, unbelievable. You know, one of the best SNC coaches I've worked with and um, puts a lot of onus on us to make sure we're getting our work done and um, will guide us, you know, guides us all, all along the way and shows us what needs to be done. And if guys need to go in, do extras somewhere else and whatnot at your local gym. Um, you know, he just says he, he lays it out pretty simple for you and you just got to go do it. So um, those are the obvious differences, I think is the, just the facilities and just kind of obviously having to adapt mm-hmm. a bit on the fly with just such a brand new team. Um, and then the next one's obviously a bit of it's maybe squad sizes and whatnot. Like I think we had 35 guys, the arrows, but 
at drag at dragons they had 35 to 40 guys fully contracted but then you have obviously academy guys coming in so you never have a session when never have a session when there's you know not enough guys i guess um compared to arrow sometimes and you know this is the same thing kind of first year when quite a few guys are on part-time contracts so have jobs and whatnot so some days you'll have you know only 28 guys there right which um you boys all know it's you can you can only do so much really even with it it sounds like a lot of guys but even when you try and run 15 on 50 you know one team's down two or three or whatnot and you know kind of yeah you know it's kind of annoying sometimes like oh we can't really properly play or properly train like that right so and there's always uh, a guy with a niggle that can't properly yeah i mean so it's always exactly (laughs) yeah so that those are a bit that was probably the main differences i think and then on a playing wise obviously it's, it's still a bit of that as I said, it's, you know, over in Wales in the UK, it's just growing up, living, breathing, playing rugby, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's the sport over there. It's a sport to play. And um, in Canada, you know, even the guys in the arrows, like I started, you know, relative to the UK, I would have started late, you know, playing when I was, you know, 12 or 13 years old. You know, so many of those kids play when they're in their minis or whatnot. Um, and there's a lot of guys on our arrows team who probably started playing rugby in high school, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, it's a little bit of that knowledge and the IQ of the game, but I think the way – um, the arrows kind of, kind of got around that, or kind of trying to build that up quite a bit. Is obviously some of the the overseas signings they brought in. Um, so the first year would have been um, the big one that comes to mind, Sammy Malcolm, who, who was a ten for the year, um, was fantastic. I think for the team, you know, he, he played in the Hurricanes system and um, played Miter Ten Cup for Manawatsu Turbos and stuff like that. So he's played alongside mm-hmm. guys like. Uh, you know, La Mape and whatnot. And yeah. um, so, you know, just a wealth of experience, a couple years older than me and, and a great dude, absolute beauty and um, really embraced the Canadian culture and kind of what we were all about and come over and play and just played so hard. You know, anyone who watched the arrows in the first year and, and the half of the second year or the, the quarter of the second year we got, um, Sammy was a fan favorite for a pretty good reason. He just played for not a very big guy, played with his heart on his sleeve and just good, good basic rugby you know barely made an error and uh you know was really good for our team and and obviously other guys like morgan mitchell and spencer jones from from new zealand as well and then going into the second year adding more uh first year sorry i shouldn't forget my my uruguayan brothers they'll be pissed if i don't, if I don't say <laughs> anything about them but leo and tony right we brought in guys like you know leo leo levias uh, he, he might be like the second most cap Uruguayan of all time or third or I don't know something along the lines of that and and Tony um, I remember when Tony signed you know you look up Gaston Mieres he's got like highlight a highlight tape of his 2015 World Cup of when Uruguay played like England Wales and Australia and you know he's just stepping stepping and beating guys one-on-one against you know some of the top teams in the world so we're like this guy's a bit of a baller too and um, they came in as well had that bit of that South American flair and um you know, I think that kind of helped bridge that gap of that inexperience of professional rugby or, or that level of professional rugby. Um, but I think a big credit to a lot of the guys, there's quite a few Canadian guys who played in the Canadian system, Canadian internationals and whatnot, and um, kind of knew what pro rugby or full-time rugby is all about. And, um, you know, from first year to now, we're, you know, night and day already, I think. Uh, and, and it's really exciting. I think it's only just going to keep, keep growing and whatnot. So. Um, oh, yeah. We've talked before on this podcast just about the importance of having like a professional league right here in mm-hmm. Ontario. Cause like mm-hmm. you're saying, it's about this developmental system, how these yeah. other countries, it's their NHL, like it's their top, like guys are, you never going to like, everyone's at the top level. Everyone knows the game since they were young and just having that semi or not semi professional team here, like 
in Ontario, we're going to get guys exposure to high level competition mm-hmm. year round instead of just like, okay. And from whatever, I don't know when the Canada camps are usually held, like in the, it kind, of, it kind of depends. Yeah, depends, usually yeah. T- yeah, test windows are summer tests and fall tests, and and, and it's like what's that? So. Th- three months, four months, like max, like and that's mm-hmm. it. And then the rest of the year, you're just playing like whatever, if club or like whatever you yeah. can like, get your hands on. Some guys are lucky enough to get overseas, and it's funny, man. I was actually I like what you said just about like just the knowledge of the game that these guys have. Mm-hmm. I went back to South Africa, right? And mm-hmm. at this point in my uh, career, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I had played. I I just cracked the Ontario team. So my buddies like I took like they they found out they're like oh like you pay for your play for your province, right? So like in their yeah. minds I'm like fuck I'm disgusting yeah. like because for yeah. them like if you're South African like they oh, so, so, so we, we go to out in some age grade team and just oh yeah. my god <laughs> yeah so these guys so we go organize like oh we're gonna go play some touchies some touch rugby yeah. like and this is just yeah. barefoot in the grass and yeah. I think I got the ball. And like whatever, it was just like this. Like whenever like someone runs out to the touchline, you do a swap, a switch with the wing, and that's like just classic, yeah. just to stay in field or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like at that point, like that wasn't like registered in my brain. But for yeah. them, like these are just like I'll tell you, like high school Natural. kids, like just my yeah. my buddies, just like messing around on a field, mm-hmm. and like they already have this knowledge of the system and of the game mm-hmm. of rugby and how like things happen. It's just yeah. it's interesting how we we need to build that more in Canada. I think yeah. and get kids more exposure to it and watching it. Hopefully. Yeah, well, we're just yeah we're just that like you know on the on the iq side of things we're just that probably i'd say anywhere from four to eight years behind on an average player just iq wise just starting mm-hmm. that much later and then you know then you got to factor in also the amount of games that kids play like i think if oh, kids were just playing high school rugby right some high school seasons mm-hmm. are just you know eight games and you're lucky yeah. if you're if you're if your high school team enters a bunch of festivals which are those um you know, 20 minute games and like three 20 minute games in a day or something like not even real games Um, compared to the, you know, when I was in my gap year at at my cousin's school, RGS, I was coaching under 15 B team. um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had 20 plus fixtures and it was like, you know, so these kids are playing, even if they're playing B's, they're playing 20 games a year. Um, Yeah. You know, some people are my argument is too much, whatnot, but all of a sudden they get to first 15 rugby. They played at least a hundred games of rugby. Yeah. Um, yeah. of somewhat uh, hundreds you know, of more hours. To, yeah. I yeah. played, I might've played 24 high school games, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's like just incredible. Like they've just played just, so much more rugby. Yeah. Um, just and training too. I, I imagine too, you're probably like the amount of hours that got stacked on us. is probably insane. Yeah. And that's, and yeah, that's actually exactly. interesting. That kind of led me to thinking like, so when you went to Wales, right. And you're playing with these guys, mm-hmm. how did you feel like your skills compared to like some of these, like, for those who don't know, you're a fly half. I don't know how we have yeah. that already. But how yeah. did you feel in comparison to the other fly halves, like in your camp? Like, um, like yeah, yeah, it was. Um, well, I think that was my one of my biggest worries. Actually, coming over was like, oh man, like if, you know, first I think one of the first thoughts, you know, it's classic. It's a bad thought to have, but you know, it's like, oh, if I just chuck a duck first one, these guys <laughs> are like, who the hell is this, guy? Like, this Canadian kid? Like, so I remember that first couple of trainings being a little bit like stiff and like, oh. Um, you know, kind of a little bit nervous for it and all that, which, you know, understandably so, but um, I kind of got lucky, I guess, like the, the Academy guys were in for a week or two weeks before maybe the senior guys, like before we joined with the senior guys sessions. Um, mm-hmm. So I was training with guys, you know, under 23 or whatever um, and, and got pretty comfortable within that group and kind of found my, my place within that group and, and skill wise felt pretty, pretty comfortable in that. And then obviously training with the seniors is, you know, I was like, oh, you know what? Like, you know, I, I can be here skill wise and whatnot. The biggest difference and 
um, I kind of say it to everyone who ever asks, it's, it's not necessarily the actual skill. Obviously you get a couple guys and, you know, over there whose talent wise are just unbelievable. Like, you know, they can just rip yeah. these passes. Throwing darts. And, yeah. Um, when I was at drags, Gavin Henson, uh, was still kicking around and he was, he was on the squad and, um, he was just incredible, uh, like skill wise mm-hmm. and whatnot for his age too. then. Um, but the biggest difference is the speed of everything. It was just the speed. And honestly, it's not that they're all that much faster than us. It's the speed of action. So the speed of the skill execution, speed of decision-making, speed of reaction. Like it was just, that was the biggest thing that I needed to catch up on quick and real life will burden to me. It's just, everything's done and everything's done fast. So, you know, if if they're going to go down the blind side, it's done like that before, you know, as I'd be thinking, Oh, maybe they're going to go. And as I'm thinking that they're already gone. gone. So that's, that was the biggest thing for me was, you know, they're like, obviously you get the the exceptions to the rule who are incredibly talented ball handling, kicking skills wise and whatnot. But quite a lot of them, I'd say, you know, a lot of guys over here probably have, you know, similar skill levels, you know, without any pressure, catch pass, whatnot, kick, totally fine. But then it's, that speed of execution of the skill, speed of decision-making as well as speed doing it under pressure. Um, and that was what and, I, was my eye opener was, you know, the level of execution under pressure and all the speed it was at was just unbelievable. And that's gotta be due to like, like you're saying, expose just time in the game. Mm-hmm. Like you won't ever be able to make those decisions unless you've done that decision a hundred times before. And that's yeah. so probably like, if like, that's kind of what I, it seems like, right. Cause it's like, yeah, I'm thinking, should I go down the blind side? But these guys, they've done it already yeah. so many times. They're like, we're just going to do yeah. it right away. And so yeah, that was, the, that was the great thing. I think at Drags too, I kind of got an opportunity to kind of learn off guys like Gavin Henson and just, you know, through, I kind of sat, I would sit with him sometimes and kind of sit up beside him and watch him as he was reviewing training and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, I think actually after one of my first Academy games, he I came over to the computer and I asked him what he was watching. He would actually pulled up my individual clips from my first Academy game. Um, which I remember thinking, Oh my God, like this is going to be so embarrassing, but it was sweet. Like I sat with him for like 20, 30 minutes and just went over clips and whatnot. And he was like, Oh, that's really good there. And he goes, Oh, like here, what are you thinking? Like kind of trying to go through everything. He's like, what are you thinking here? What are you seeing here? What do you think you should have done? Like this and that, why, why would you do this instead of what you did or whatnot? And just really kind of walk me through it and just to be able to get a sense of the way he sees the game and whatnot. And it's just incredible. And, and, you know, it's that kind of, um, for him, obviously, same same thing. It's just seeing seeing picture. Uh, you have coaches all the time. See a picture and make a decision. Um, you know, I know a lot of our coaches over here now, and, and talking about seeing pictures and seeing and trying to make the right decision, find space and whatnot. It's all the same everywhere, right? Like rugby's uh, rugby's not supposed to be a complicated game. You know, there's only so many right. different ways that you can play and so many different styles. It's it's pretty. Mm-hmm pretty basic game i'd say and, and you know when rugby's kept simple it's probably the best rugby you can play um yeah. but it's just that decision making and that reaction and that speed of execution um and that just takes practice and, and multiple multiple reps of of seeing different pictures and seeing different different waves of defense or attack coming at you and, and making those decisions right and it becomes more yeah. more natural and more you know oh, i should know this word I was, I was using this word. I was trying to think about it. Automatic, I'd say. Automatic, it's an yeah. automatic reaction. There's a word I'm trying yeah. to say. It's bad. It's oh, I know what you mean. Word. I know what you mean. Uh, oh, God. Okay, well, I if we think of it, I'll, I'll say <laughs> literally, I think I literally I learned this last week in the class. So No, I know um, exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah, but you get what I mean. Like, it's just automatic reactions. Yeah. and um, yeah. Everything just becomes like you're almost in a – you're not even really thinking, right? You're almost like – rather than overthinking, you're almost in state guy. kind of – yeah. Yeah, you're almost a bit bright in your state of flow. And some of those guys, especially the guys at the top of their game, right? You, you know, able to watch some of those Welsh internationals just 
seems so casual and effortless for them, right? Um, yeah. And that's just from playing years and years and years of rugby. So. And that and that's yeah. the thing. Like we don't we're not we don't have a lack of athletes here, right? Like at the top oh, level no. on national teams, like we got the size, we got the space. Oh. I would even argue we have the scale. Like we've had some of the best yeah. kickers in the world on our national mm-hmm. sides. And then, like it was just interesting just to watch like in the even the last World Cup, like our men's team going up against New Zealand, right? And I think that was the biggest thing that stuck out to me was like New Zealand was playing so much faster than Canada was. And oh, like yeah. no disrespect to the boys, obviously, like yeah. New Zealand's a, one of the, the best team in the world, if top three, whatever. And it was just like that was the thing that stuck out to me. It was like these guys are flying down the field. And then like whereas we look way more like we we're in like stuck in mud or something. It's like program just, decision making. They already have it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Premeditated. Experience is knowledge. You know what I mean? You can't you can't compete with it. It is. It's that reputation. It's yeah. they don't have to think sometimes and they get in that scenario. You know what I mean? It's second nature. So yeah. Um, yeah I, I remember t- talking to some of the boys after, you know, playing playing New Zealand and South Africa, right? Like just you know, I think I think I could sum it all up. It's necessarily, oh, they're unbelievable. Like they're just they're just <laughs> unbelievable. And yeah. uh, you know, a fair the boys stuck in hard. I thought, you know, oh yeah, you, yeah, know, yeah. you read online. It's painful to read the stuff online, right? Of being like, oh, this and that, whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, it's like people don't understand, like kind of, I guess, what goes in behind the scenes and whatnot. And um, you know, even that preparation, I was involved in the, some of the, the world cup prep and whatnot. I was on an extended list. And so I was training with the guys before they went to PNCs oh, yeah? and then before they went to the world cup. So, um, you know, there's no lack of effort, right. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. guys, guys giving up, you know, oh, yeah. guys who might have summer jobs lined up or whatnot. And everyone, it's a thing here, right? Like rugby's not the only thing you can do if you're in oh, Canada, yeah. Hopefully that starts to turn into a thing with the arrows picking up and, and maybe another team in the future in, in Canada. Yeah. But, you know, guys were sacrificing quite a bit to, you know, fully train and fully push for that World Cup and perform their best. Yeah. And um, we're just behind. We're just behind the other countries. And, and it's hard to, you know, we, you know, it's not something you can turn around, just do yeah. a U-turn Can't on the go road point and blame. Away. Yeah, yeah, so I think we're in the right direction. And, you know, the last oh, yeah. November camp, you know, that I was at, I thought was really, really positive and really good sign. And, um, but, you know, it's it's just a slow process. And just, you know, I think it'll start turning around, though. And I think all the boys have the confidence that it will. And it's just, it's, as I said, it's not that quick. You can't just say, oh, let's go back the other way. And now it's a very slow good grind. Now, like, but, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but it'll be, uh, yeah, the next few years will be pretty exciting, too. There's going to be a lot of good international rugby, obviously, hopefully when COVID allows for it and you know mm-hmm. i think the boys it'll be two games since the last canadian test and that's a that's a very long time but it'll be yeah, uh, it'll be pretty cool crazy. to see everyone back out and, and playing mlr is a great yeah. step towards that like just like mm-hmm. i think we're gonna see great tremendous because once we get like once we get up there and get closer to these top teams it's like we have such good athletes we, we have even like look at the u.s right like yeah. even if they took like 10 percent of their top performers from the end like they have got the athletes to do it like no question about it it's just a matter of that system behind it but uh, yeah it's super yeah, and the it's Americans have, the man. Americans have been able to stay somewhat somewhat connected or or close to that top tier, I guess. Right, we've fallen a bit behind the Americans and in recent years, especially. But um, you know, even like you know, we have it in us too. And you know, my first ARC, which was Absolutely. 2019, um, you know, we lost at the death to the Americans, right? And you know, the year before they had beaten Scotland in the summer test. So yeah. You know, we're right, we're right there too. And there's moments of, you know, you know, it's the Canada of old, you know, some people might say you know, the online, the keyboard warriors, uh, the Canada of old would have done this yeah. and that. And, you know, back when it was all amateurs, whatever, but um, yeah, no, uh, it, 
I, we're right there and just it's going to turn around. And as he said, MLR, I think this season there's something like it's probably around 50 Canadian eligible players or whatnot playing in the MLR. Oh, wow. I think yeah, you've seen them pop here. up everywhere, man. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, I think yeah. We, obviously, we have, you know, a big chunk of that. We probably have half of that, like 25 to 27 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's 20 plus at least in the States, which is, which is awesome, yeah. right? So, you know, every team has a few Canadians throughout it. And it's just, you know, if you get 50 guys over here playing – playing, you know, rugby week in, week out and training week, like, you know, day in, day out. That's what um, it is. Add in those, you know, six or eight or, or 10, however many guys are overseas still in France and whatnot and, yeah. and bring them in. And then, and then the biggest thing is putting it all together and, and, and seeing how it translates. So um, it's one of those things that you can't see, you know, you can't have one or two years of MLR and be like, Oh, we should be better by now. Right. You kind of got to yeah. let it grow and let, let everyone develop. And that's a tough thing. Everyone wants that quick fix and that quick turnaround, but it's just, works. Uh, development yeah. and experience and whatnot takes time so that, yeah. that clickbait the youtube uh what's it called squidge yeah yeah that guy's awesome yeah, but, yeah. Uh, he is pretty, he's got some he's got some funny videos that's for sure yeah. he's awesome yeah we gotta try pitch him to get on here because yeah he's seriously got some, he's got some cool pitches on mlr he's a handful, he'd, yeah. he'd be good actually yeah that'd be jokes um but yeah, and then it's there's younger guys getting insurance too. Like we had Henry on, um, what was that, a couple months ago, and, yeah. and that's what you need too. Right? Just keep getting those younger guys in that atmosphere as early as possible. Just like you said, look at you, you're you're a great example of that, right? The more you can't you can't get better if you're not playing, like you said, you know what I mean. Yeah. So getting guys in that atmosphere at a younger age, and and we're, we now have the opportunity for it. So and MLR, they got teams shooting up everywhere. It's tough that guys got to pull out based on the climate right now, but they're still going to be there for the, in the uh, in the future. So it's. It's good, man. I think we, Danny, and I talk about it all the time. Like rugby's, it's it's going the right place in North America, and and uh, it's exciting to see. But on that topic, I, I think it's something that uh, we've been excited to get to. We want to kind of know um, a little bit what's going on at camp with you guys. We we've touched on it last week because we're always looking for that MLR news, that Arrows news. We're yeah. talking our new <laughs> segments. Um, so first game's been announced against Atlanta. We touched yeah. on how we know you guys are going to be. Uh, um, we're gonna be, we're gonna be roommates. We're, put up there in we're camp. gonna be roommates with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. The rattlesnakes. We're roommates now. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we just kind of want to know um, what it looks like for the next couple of weeks before you head over there, and and you just what your preseason look like looks like right now. Yeah. Um, so obviously that that all came out. Um, what would it be a week ago now, maybe. Um, but yeah, like we obviously, you know, before we had kind of been kept pretty well informed about you know the potential of this happening and whatnot. And, um, I think a lot of guys are pretty grounded to the whole situation, the pandemic and, and, you know, the climate of the world right now, and especially in North America. Yeah. And a lot of us were fully expecting that, you know, that was definitely going to be a possibility. And, um, and then obviously, you know, the trigger got pulled and, and we're going to be down there for the start of the season. So basically I think from what it sounds like, we'll be going down just before that, that game, um, court quarantining rules pending, um, yeah, I'm not really too sure what it's like in the states right now. I, I think at the moment, apparently, you don't need to quarantine or whatnot. But you know, we've been told. I think we got to like that's the biggest thing. A lot, a lot, a lot of the rugby stuff is going to be the hardest for us. It's more the the uncertainty of a lot of things, right? And basically, mm-hmm. once we hit March for us, we gotta we gotta be ready to go at any point. Um, and it's something like we could be going, you know, in a couple of days from from what you know we could be training on a Monday but all of a sudden if rules change if we need a quarantine before we go we down go. make sure we can play that game we got to be ready to go yeah. um that's kind of so cool. that's just the nature of it but you know the boys are all behind that and we're all on bo- oh my lights just flickered on that was weird um <laughs> yeah the boys are all behind that and you know 
we had a pretty good, the first day, obviously yesterday was kind of going over all that stuff and, and what's going to happen. But the plan is to be here for, for five weeks. So I think this is, or maybe yeah, four or five weeks. So week one, I think it's this week and, and go down for before that game and be down in Atlanta for, um, you know, however long we need to be down there, Weekend which is a bit of a, you know, obviously, you know, for myself personally, I like, I like hard dates. I like to kind of plan or at least see, okay, this is yeah, where, yeah. We're this, where we're doing this. Um, so definitely try, kind of adapting on that and being a little bit more loose with that. But, um, you know, I think at least luckily, you know, for myself personally with the pandemic, like still being in university for me, it's as long as I got Wi-Fi connection, I can kind of be anywhere. So um, obviously all the boys and in, in the team and, and staff want to be near family and around around their friends and still be able to kind of have their normal lives and whatnot. But um, the group, you know, for the most part, is a hundred percent committed to, to making it happen and making it work. There's obviously a couple exceptions that have other stuff in, in their lives, whether it's family or work or whatnot that they need to figure out. And um, hopefully they can figure that out in the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, like the, the, the organization, I think has done a great job of made, just making it happen. Right. Cause I think a lot of worries early on was, you know, some guys were thinking the worst, like, you know, we might be one of those teams who has to pull out for a year or whatnot. And, um, that would have been pretty yeah. crushing for, for everyone involved with us, but not only us, I think rugby Canada, it would have been a very crushing blow for rugby in Canada, um, yeah, to not absolutely. have a, the only professional team playing. Right. So, um, but yeah, basically today, today was a full kind of start of, of this five week block or whatever it is. And it'll be pretty intense, I think. And we got to kind of adapt. It's not like years before when we can, we can go somewhere and play preseason games and whatnot. It's, it's a bit of a, it's going to be a bit of a mental grind of four hard weeks. And then I think the last week we're playing a, a big inner squad game just based on COVID rules and, you know, keeping everything within the bubble. And yeah. um, there'll be some great battles in that game. And, you know, it's, it's almost those inner squad games. I don't know if you boys have ever played, you obviously maybe in tryouts or whatnot. And, um, but every time I played an inner squad game, it's, it's probably one of the hardest games you ever play in. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you know, all the guys across from, you know, all the moves they're doing, they know what you're doing, but not even that. It's not even the, the, that's what makes it tough. It's more just the intensity, I think, gets even higher, uh, especially when guys, uh, you know, the arrows, there's so much competition for spots. And yeah, um, I think that's the thing I'd always argue with the arrows is, you know, we may not always have, you know, the biggest names throughout the lineup and whatnot. Obviously, this year we signed Montero and Tuclet, which is pretty legit. But some of these other teams, right, with, you know, Rob Shaw going to San Diego and um, like there's guys like Foden at New York or whatnot. There's some some crazy rumors about, yeah. you know, Dan Carter signing somewhere, but who knows if that's legit or not. But if that happened, you know, he speaks for himself. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> for us, for us, I think we kind of really, we're really strong in the sense of, you know, guys can just drop in and drop out of the lineup. Um, you know, we can take a guy out, put a guy in, and we don't really drop off. We got so much balance yeah. to our squad and depth, I think, although we may not have those big names there's just so much strength and depth in positions that we can kind of transition week to week. And, you know, we could probably change eight guys in a match day squad and be just as good as the week before. Um, so that's our strength, but that's going to make that inner squad game. You know, a lot of boys are already talking. That's going to be yeah, yeah. You know, one hell of a game. That's not going to be seen by, by the public. So, yeah. uh, or maybe it will be, who knows, maybe yeah, somehow we'll live stream or you'll see some clips, but that would yeah. be great. But basically, yeah, it's going to be a lot of hard work for the next four or five weeks. And, and then we're going to up ship and become, become the Atlanta arrows um, for a little bit. Atlanta arrows. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying That's to start that. The, I want to try and start that. The Atlanta arrows. Get a trend going. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like so. the, the remote arrows. You guys are working from. Uh, yeah. <laughs> working yeah. From there. yeah. 
I like it. Yeah. It's interesting you're saying like it's hard with like because we're I feel like we're creatures of routine, right? Like I know mm-hmm. just like you said, like when it's coming up to a game, like I like to keep a lot of things the same because you don't want to be you only want to think about the game and everything else kind of want to mm-hmm. be the same. So it's hard to get your mind mentally around like okay, like now I have to now it might not happen, it might happen. Like how do I get myself? How do I set my routine in a way to succeed? But I mean the boys are resilient. I'm sure it's gonna be yeah. just a good season because we, we got our fingers crossed for you guys to play because it's it's be so disappointing obviously if the things yeah. don't go well it sounds like it sounds like it's all you know obviously you know pandemic could change just like that right i think as we've all seen and um you know but it's from what it sounds like it's you know the arrows are doing everything they possibly can to make sure we're in the league oh, yeah. and you know the league fully supports us in doing that and um are just just as impressed by probably most people thinking like these guys are legit going for it and and gonna make it work somehow and um yeah yeah and and you know so hopefully it all goes smooth there'll be as as we've kind of reiterated yourself there'll be hiccups and bumps in the road and whatnot and um you know stuff that will come up but we just got to be able to react and adapt and and be resilient and kind of push through it and um i think once we're down in atlanta and we're down in the states there for the for however long that bit is um it's just business as usual we just gotta you know prepare each week like it's normal we'll set up camp we'll make it as home as i feel as much as home as we can um and then yeah just start start playing some games and hopefully putting some wins together and you know maybe it'll be a bit of a weird fairy tale season where you know borders open up whatnot maybe we're able to come home bring yeah. bring a championship home maybe even have the mlr yeah. final in canada which would be crazy but oh yeah um, who knows how that ends up playing out that's a lot of looking down the road kind of once we get to that first game against atlanta it'll be one game at a time for the boys and um you know, I know the whole, you know, everyone in our organization, all the players, staff, you know, board and whatnot, they would love to see rugby in Canada at some point this yeah. year. Um, and it'd be great if we could, you know, June, July or, you know, May, what, who knows when, when it would be, but um, have at least one or two games at home would be, would be amazing. Um, fans, no fans, just being able to say there's rugby in Canada going on, right. would be um, incredible. So, but we'll see. That's all, all could change yeah. in a day, yeah. a week, a month, who knows. So. Yeah, it's yeah. a great way to think about it. Everyone gets super caught up in, oh, like, don't worry about, like, the finals. Don't worry about winning the championship. Worry about the next game. And that's that's true to a point. But I think if you don't believe that you guys can do it, like, you know, uh-huh. the team never will. I know at least for Laurier, like, I was my first year, we're on the tail end. I, I wasn't there in the hard years, as I understand. My first year back was our first year. We kind of were starting yeah. to get good. And the next year, we obviously won the bronze. And it was just like the the just watching like the belief change, like getting smashed by key, queens every year, and then what next one yeah. game like we're competitive for like sixty yeah, minutes, like right there, and yeah. Like, yeah. And it's just like wow, like just like the mindset's like when you come into a game, like I don't know if we'll, I don't know, like, this team's so good, and you just focus on those things. You don't think like oh, like we can actually do this if it's like you know what I mean. But mm-hmm. uh, it takes great leadership in the squad. But man, you've been so grateful with uh, with your time so far. We're just gonna hit up with a couple wrap up questions if you're cool with yeah, that. No worries, um, no worries. So. <laughs> thanks a lot man um but i guess i'll start off here and uh, just we'll start off with uh who's your favorite current rugby player uh someone maybe you modeled your game after or some inspiration who would you say yeah. um i'd be i'd probably get chirped by a bunch of the boys if i didn't say say um it was owen farrell um which it is yeah um i started watching him obviously when he kind of broke onto the scene and would have been 2012, I think, with England, and he would have been like a 20, yeah. 21 year old fly off and playing, playing for his country and whatnot. And uh, um, similar in kind of height and stature, in a sense, you know, I'm not as obviously big up top as him, but um, you know, kind of play a similar style, model a bit of my game off of him, and 
and obviously with him being a goal kicker and whatnot, kind of watched a lot of his clips and a lot of him doing his thing. And, you know, he's one of the best in the world. And um, so I, I've kind of just grew up. He, was, he was just kind of became my favorite player and um, loved watching his games for whether it was England, Saracens, British Irish Lions. And um, yeah, just kind of admired the way he plays and also a bit of the intensity and the, the just emotion he plays with. And, um, you know, I've had, you know, coaches and whatnot tell them, tell me, and, you know, even my buddies say, you know, I, I get, a, I get pretty fired up when I play and um, probably wear my emotions a bit on my sleeve, maybe sometimes too much, but, you know, that's been one of those things I've been working on growing older is those moments to show that emotion, the moments to really maybe wrap it in and control it a bit. But I kind of admire and Farrell how he's, you know, he's always, you know, one of the loudest guys in the field and, you know, putting everything on the line. And, you know, when, when England needs him and, and Saracen needs him, he, he always steps up really when he's really needed and asked, and asked upon. So, um, yeah, just kind of admire that kind of mental side of the game from him and that kind of just pure emotion, the love of the game, um, as well as a just top level skill. So, yeah. All right. Anyone, I know you say stature and build, but anyone else ever, they ever boys ever joke, what you kind of look like him? Yeah, all the time. It's, yeah, I'm sure. Even, <laughs> it's yeah. bad. It's bad. It's actually Q. Q lays into me so much. Oh my God. He does, yeah, like, he does this. Oh, I'm sitting there practicing goal kick, and obviously I've kind of modeled a bit off of his his technique, yeah. right? As you do when you're young. Like, I would have been, yeah, four, yeah. I would have been 14, 13, 14, yeah, right? You look so up to the guy. Learn to goal kick, so I'm going to kind of – match a bit off him but <laughs> he'll sit there where i'm practicing my goal kicks and he's just in the i can just hear him he's just yelling the fast the fast and i'm like oh my god <laughs> i'm like trying to just get reps in but he's just like i'm just i'm cracking up to be sure and it is hilarious but um he loves and a <laughs> bunch of other boys do too and i guess you know i like right now my hair is a bit long and whatnot but usually i i rock the the buzz high buzz fade high and tight yeah, whatnot. high and tight of course so it's pretty but like you know so many people have that haircut man i could compare you could say i look like a bunch of other dudes as well but yeah for sure uh, yeah i do get ribbed quite a bit for that so yeah uh, <laughs> not a bad thing yeah, yeah. I, I say yeah. hey whatever man i'll take yeah. it so but, um, um yeah, and then the final just kind of wrap-up question, um, kind of modeling off the last one. We always ask, uh, who do you think is the GOAT, the greatest player of all time? Oh, man. That, yeah, tricky, man. Actually, yeah, that's a very tricky one. Um, you know, obviously, I think um, you could go any different way, man. Like, and, and that's the crazy thing about rugby. There's, like, so many different positions within the sport that I think yeah. you can make an argument from, you know, a front row standpoint, a second row standpoint, oh, back sure. or whatnot, you know. Um, people always say Richie McCaw and, you know, he was unbelievable, right? Like yeah. just mm -hmm. um, like, and you're looking at a guy right now, we're watching history and, you know, Alan Wynn Jones. Yeah. going to play like 175. Yeah. Just, yeah. He's just unbelievable talent. So well, we'll say in your position, you know, I think to keep it easy. Yeah. Like that's what I was going to, I was probably uh, as a 10, I was going to end up saying a 10. Um, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's tough to kind of pick between the one or two obvious ones, but, um you, you gotta say Dan Carter I think probably yeah. like I don't think you can go wrong with that and um you know and and being able to watch him obviously when I started watching more and more rugby would have been I think my first memory of him would have been you know I think 2011 when he got injured in that world cup and kind of when I was really getting into watching rugby on, on you know tv watching with my dad and whatnot and you know he was obviously a superstar and you know, their home world cup getting injured and how much of a panic it was. Right. It was, it was, <laughs> it'd be a bit like LeBron getting injured for, 
for the Lakers, right? Or yeah, yeah. whatever. Sidney Crosby, when he gets injured for the Penguins, everyone's losing their minds, right? And it was basically like that. And um, and then the next few years watching him and his Super Rugby games and and then for the All Blacks, obviously. And then that 2015 World Cup, you know, at, at the end of his international career, um, he was just unbelievable. Like, there was just no – like, you, you weren't going to stop him. He was just incredible. And yeah. obviously, you, you look him up on YouTube and whatnot and – and his his clips and you know that oath uh, the greatest single so what is it the greatest single performance by a fly half in, in rugby history is yeah. that is a second test against the lions at at uh the kate 10 wellington i think it was and yeah. just oh my god like you watch those highlights from that game it's just he he, he must have felt like a god i, I don't know how <laughs> he would have felt and yeah i think he's a pretty modest <laughs> dude and he said it was just oh it was a lot of good things going right for him but he just looked untouchable. He was just, yeah. and, and other players, I think even John, the other guy I would have said was Johnny Wilkes, obviously being originally English. And um, I love watching him too, but you know, John, you have guys like Johnny Wilkinson saying he was unbelievable. Like, and you know, yeah. a guy yeah. just as good as him saying that this guy was unbelievable is just a true credit to his game. And, yeah, tribute. and he's still kicking it now. Right. And he's still yeah. tearing oh, yeah. up in Japan and <laughs> Japan. <laughs> went over to France for a bit. He was amazing there at Racing. And, yeah. um, just an all round player, right? Like great feet, step off both feet, great kicker he's a left-footed kicker good passer great vision very tough in defense like he had it all right and did it and did it in a very traditional kiwi way of being very very humble very you know grateful for all his opportunities and just a real true pro right and the amount of work and time and effort he put in so um he's got to be in my mind yeah dc's got to be the greatest the goal yeah to go yeah in. or desire or or desire yeah it's dc but then you know if, I, if i'm if i'm thinking the real goat probably desire mora yeah. <laughs> so, there's Josiah there's Mora. the true goat which is At dc the top, but the yeah. real goat is just <laughs> but like we don't he's gonna love that so yeah, yeah, i love jojo so man that guy's a beauty what a boy what a boy <laughs> what a boy oh man anyway brother well we appreciate you uh you coming on giving us a time out of your day um, or night, I guess we should say, uh, especially after a big long day of training, first first day of camp. Um, yeah. I know Dan and I, we, we miss you the best of luck through uh, through this training camp and then in the season. Hope all the boys stay safe and, and get get well and then go on down there. I mean, we wish you the best. We hope uh, we'll be rooting for you. And uh, yeah, man, hope you guys can bring some success back to the club. It's been a bit. So um, yeah. yeah. Awesome. And yeah, for th- thanks for having me on. That was, uh, that was fun chatting. Um, you know, yeah, the boys are ready to go and, you know, people like you kind of giving us some exposure as well and, you know, supporting us from afar and, um, you know, we really appreciate it and, and all the fans really have kind of stuck by us and still still kind of posting online and whatnot. Their, their message of support is pretty great. So, um, yeah, I know, but appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's been, been sweet. So. Absolutely. And for those who want to want to learn more about Mr. Will Kelly, uh, MLR has actually featured the guy in, uh, in a huge article, oh, yeah. <laughs> which was a, a good read. Oh, <laughs> maybe we'll link that. We'll link yeah. that in our description, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But thanks again, man. We'll uh, we'll catch you soon. Best of luck with, uh, with everything. Cheers. Cheers.